service and the, the songs that were selected uh, today plug right in with the message this morning. I'm excited for this message. Uh, I've been looking forward to it for a couple weeks. Remember, we, we got in that series within our series. I feel like we're always within a series within a series or a sub-series or some kind of series. Uh, but John chapter 6, we, we broke down and we've been, we've been in there for three or four weeks now and we had a, a break from it last week with the missionary uh, being with us. But this week we're jumping, jumping right back into John chapter 6. And uh, Jesus is in this, we're in verses 51 through 59, but Jesus is going to reiterate what, what he was teaching earlier in the passage and he's going to go in deeper and he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to be more strong with his words and, and he's really trying to teach these people to show these people that, that he is the bread of life, that he is the, the life-giving bread that he's so much better than the, the manna that they thought so highly of uh, in the wilderness, or that their ancestors would have thought so highly of. Um, but Jesus told the people to believe on him and to come to him. Uh, we saw that in the, the previous verses. He would satisfy their spiritual hunger. He would satisfy their spiritual thirst. He would meet their spiritual need. And he would give them everlasting life. So Jesus has been making these, these claims, these statements to the people. He declared himself to be more than a solution to their physical problems. And if you remember, that's what the masses were looking for, was for Jesus to be a solution to their spiritual or sorry, to their physical problems. They wanted a, a free lunch meal, they wanted free breakfast, they wanted free dinner, they wanted freedom from the Romans, and they wanted Jesus to do all of this for them yet they would reject and they would be hard-hearted towards His spiritual teaching. Because we know Jesus is so much more than a, a free lunch ticket. He's so much, so much more than just being able to provide for our needs. Jesus offers everlasting life. And that's, that's, a, that's a spiritual problem that we have, is, is the need for this everlasting life. Jesus was the solution to the spiritual problem of these people. Jesus is still the solution to our spiritual problems problem today. These people were shallow followers. They were looking for the wrong things from Jesus. They rejected who He was and where He came from. Remember they had a hard time saying that He came from heaven? How is Jesus going to say He's from heaven? We have them thinking, we know who his mom is, we know who his dad is, we know the tiny little town that he came from. How is he going to say he's, he's from heaven? They rejected where he came from. Today we're going to continue to see Jesus declare that he is the living bread, that he is far greater than the manna in the wilderness. And the idea, of the title that I have for today is, is so much better. Jesus is so much better. And uh, I guess that would be from what the people needed to realize is that Jesus was so much better. But today, as we consider ourselves, Jesus is so much greater. He's, he's so much better than many times we give him credit for being. And, and I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this because we're going to dive into so many scriptures and, and we're not going to define so many terms like we usually do because we already did that two weeks ago, and, and we explained this passage and what it's talking about, 
but we're going to look at, at what Jesus is, is foretelling of here, that, that he's telling of his coming crucifixion. And we're going to look at verses, I don't know how many verses today, but we're going to see that Jesus was the sacrifice, that Jesus is the sacrifice, and he is going to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. That he's going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. So let's look at our text together, starting in John 6, we'll read verses 51 through 59. I am the living bread, Jesus speaking here, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now there's some pretty strong language there. And had we not studied the verses that explain what Jesus is talking about, uh, you could see some confusion here. I mean, could you imagine if this is your first time in church and you're hearing you have to eat Jesus and, and drink his blood? to have life, I mean, you, you could imagine there would be, that would be interesting to hear, right? So, we have looked at the previous, the previous text, and we know where, where Jesus is heading, we know what Jesus is, is talking about here. But I always think it's interesting to read those verses without reading what's before it, or what comes after it, because you, your doctrine could get a little crazy if you totally separate those verses there. But what we have here, I want, I want to bring us into the, the scene, put us in the scenario here where we have the greatest teacher ever, Jesus Christ. The greatest communicator ever, the, the greatest ever at using illustrations. We have here teaching to the people. So it's no mistake that he's teaching this way. You say, why would Jesus use that example? What is, why? Like I would never teach anybody using eat my body and drink my, my blood. Why is Jesus going to why is Jesus trying to teach that way? Well, he's the greatest teacher ever and he has a purpose behind it. And honestly, he did give his life. He did give his body. He did give his blood. It was the cost of redemption. It was the the price of making people right with God. So he actually did do that. And he's painting this this picture here for these people. Jesus is continuing with the thoughts of him being bread, of him being the living bread. And what he's doing is, is he's portraying a spiritual need with a physical example. Some form of bread has been a staple food in the life of people for a long, long, long time. Like thousands of years people have been eating bread in some form. 
we could go into all kinds of comparisons between the need for bread physically and the need for the living bread spiritually. I mean, we could break this down and we could do, do a whole sermon here of bread offers this and Jesus offers this. I want to give you just a few ideas maybe to, to spark your interest here. Maybe you want to do a study on, on this for yourselves. But think of bread. Um, you have to eat bread for it to nourish you. You have to actually eat it. Living bread. Just being aware that there is living bread doesn't mean that your or doesn't meet your spiritual need. Like just okay, I you know there's there, sure there's a Jesus and maybe he paid for the sins of people. That doesn't make you right with God. Just being aware that there's a problem doesn't give you the solution. Just like being aware that there's there's bread for you. If you don't eat it, you don't get full. You eat when you are hungry, typically. Many people have deceived or are deceived into thinking they don't need Jesus. Or they don't want to admit it. I think that's, that's the kicker right there. People don't want to admit that they, that they need this living bread, that they actually have a problem and that they need a solution. How about this? Eating is personal. People can't eat for you. This, this eating of the, the bread of, of Christ, this living bread, is, is a personal thing. I, I don't get saved for my children. I mean, we have, we have Paul talking about how he wishes, you know, he could count himself accursed for, for his, if his people would believe in Christ and come to Christ. But that was just a wish. It's a, it's a personal decision to eat this, this bread, this, this living bread of Christ. On and on we could go. You can see the master teacher at work here. And these people could chew on this thought for years to come. They could have these debates in their synagogues about Jesus being the bread of life and, and what, that, what that means and how they could apply that. So we can see Jesus at work teaching here. What we also see is we see Jesus showing grace here to these people. Remember, he knows these people are going to reject him. In verse 66, they're going to walk away from him, most of the people. But he continues to teach them. He already taught them simply that he's the bread of life, and they rejected that. So he here, in the same thought, in the same synagogue here in Capernaum, he goes in deeper into this thought, and he tries to help these people understand that I am the bread of life. And we see his repeated grace coming to these people. He has already explained what he is talking about in the previous verses. He is not talking about people taking bites out of him and drinking his blood. I mean, could you imagine if the crowd would have responded that way and started running after Jesus and chasing him and trying to bite him and drink his blood? Jesus is not talking about that. The Old Testament law that they would have been very familiar with forbids that type of thing. Jesus is not teaching cannibalism here. Let's, let's be clear on that. Jesus is painting a picture here. He's using illustrations to help them see their greatest need. Look at verse 35. Jesus explains what he's talking about before he gets into this deep eat my flesh and drink my blood stuff. Verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about eating and eating my flesh and drinking my blood? He's talking about people coming to him and believing on him. Not taking bites of him and, and drinking his blood. Look at, look at verse 51 as we see Jesus using these illustrations to explain the people's greatest need. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. So we see Jesus is the true life giver. Jesus is the living bread. And he is offering himself here. He is explaining himself to the people here. Later in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus is the living bread from heaven. And he's from heaven. Don't miss that part. It's not just some man that decided, hey, I'm going to try to do some stuff for these people. It is God in the flesh come down. Have you thought about that lately? God leaving heaven. Jesus leaving heaven's perfect, glorious environment to come to this earth. That's a big change. right? Sinful people that are going to hate you and spit on you and kill you. Jesus left that to come to this earth. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus here is not shying away from the truth. He is showing grace, and He is not shying away from the truth. He says, you need me to have life. Jesus, the living bread, left heaven, came to this earth. He would offer himself a sacrifice. He would give his life. He would pay the price for our sins. He would offer eternal life to all who believe. Look at verse 51 as we go further. And the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread... He shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So remember, to eat is to come and to believe. Verse 35. Jesus' flesh, His life, is the cost of redemption. And He is painting this picture here. You can find the concept of Jesus sacrificially, voluntarily giving himself for sinners over and over and over in the New Testament. You start in Matthew. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come down here to be, to be served. He came to serve. God in the flesh to serve, to offer His life a ransom for many. Galatians 1.4 Who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world 
according to the will of God and our Father. So Jesus gave himself for our sins. I told you nothing new today, but I want us to see it and I want it to be, to be fresh in our minds. And we'll get to this in the end when we, when we pull the application from this. But let's get this. Let's consider this. Let's consider the gift Christ gave and what he went through. He gave his life so that we might have life. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and what? Gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.2, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us. Oh, what an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. You see the gift? Titus 2.13 and 14, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, our sin requires a payment. And Christ is that payment. He made that sacrifice. And he here is alluding to what is coming. He's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to give his flesh. He's going to shed his blood for humanity so that they can be right with God. Jesus is foretelling of his sacrificial death on the cross. And I'm so thankful He gave His life. I am so thankful that He paid the price. I am so thankful that God didn't just stop with giving us the law. Like, okay, you guys have a big problem because obviously you can't keep one of these. I mean, we stop at ten. You can't keep one of the ten. Okay, the giving of the law is God showing us that we have a problem because we can't keep them. It's a schoolmaster to show us that we have a problem. So aren't you so thankful that God didn't just say, here's the law, you guys have a problem. You're on your own. The other problem you have is that you can't pay for your sins on your own. There's no way to pay for that in yourself, but I just want to let you know you're in big trouble. Aren't you so glad God didn't stop with just giving us the law? He also gave us a sacrifice, a payment that could pay for our sins. So we could recognize, yes, I do have a problem. Yes, I do need a solution for my sin. I am separated from you from my sin. But you gave a solution. And the solution is Jesus Christ and his life and his shed blood. And he rose again from death. I am so thankful for the solution. And this solution he gave, verse 51, which I will give for the life of the world. For all those who would believe, Christ paid the price to meet the just demands of a holy God. And he is the only acceptable payment. What a gift. Have you considered that gift lately? Or are you like, man, that was... 20 years ago, and thanks for that. 
Do we consider that gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Romans 3.25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Man, Jesus is talking about blood here. I mean, Christianity can sound a little gory. Talking about giving his flesh and, and his blood. Well, his blood paid the price. His perfect blood is so important. It is the payment. It is the covering for our sins. Look how the crowd responds to Jesus declaring this to them. Verse 52. We probably are not surprised at this point, knowing the crowd. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're still stuck on taking Jesus at what he said, literally, of going and taking bites out of him. They're missing the part where he said, to come and believe and I'll give you everlasting life. You won't hunger. You won't thirst anymore. Believe on me. They start arguing. They start quarreling. They start fighting. Could you imagine this synagogue here packed full of people who Jesus is trying to teach them and you have them? Like imagine the chaos if you guys started arguing right now amongst yourself that you're hung up on me talking about you having to eat Jesus' body. Could, where are we going to get? What are we going to accomplish at that point? Especially, they have Jesus in front of them teaching them. The one who you can hang on every single word he says because it's filled with grace and truth and it's absolute truth. And they get so caught up arguing here. They would have been aware that it's not okay to physically eat people. Jesus was not talking about that here. He had previously defined what he's talking about. Jesus had just declared the greatest news and they missed it. Come and believe, and you will have everlasting life. Jesus, if you can picture this scene, Jesus knows what they're saying, because he knows everything, but he also hears this. He sees, he sees this commotion, he hears their quarreling, and he doesn't back down. Because if you guys want to get me to stop talking, just start like talking amongst yourself and fighting, and, and I'll probably go ahead and make my way out and, and see you guys when you decide to leave. But Jesus here doesn't, doesn't cower down. He doesn't say, oh man, the people don't like what I have to say. They're not believing in me. He cranks it up a little bit. He continues to declare this truth to the people. Look at verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Right? He cranks it up. We know what he's talking about. We've, we've studied what he's talking about here. But Jesus is telling them true life is only found in the Son of Man. The, the Son of Man is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Just as Jesus didn't mean they were literally to eat his flesh, he is not literally telling them to drink his blood. He is using a very graphic metaphor to show the importance of accepting his sacrificial death. 
He also gives insight to His death on the cross, the final sacrifice for sin. And did you catch that? The final sacrifice for sin? We don't have to keep paying for our sins or, or trying to earn God's favor. Jesus Christ paid that, and He's the only acceptable sacrifice. But if you think about these people here who who would have been very aware of the, the sacrifices and the killing of the animals and, and, and doing all these things, Jesus was the final sacrifice that all of the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to. That's huge right there. That's why we don't have to kill animals on, on Sunday mornings. Jesus shed His blood. Those sacrifices were a picture of the coming Messiah who would shed His blood once for all. And they pointed to this Christ and Jesus standing in front of them declaring that I am the final sacrifice. Come to me. Believe on me. And you can have everlasting life. You can be restored spiritually. Jesus um, was and is the Messiah. He did suffer. He did die. He did raise from the dead victorious. He is the one and only way to the Father. And if you think about this crowd who Jesus is declaring Himself to be this, this final sacrifice, or He's going to give His blood, He's going to shed His blood for the world. This was not the Messiah that they were looking for. Remember, they wanted Him to step up and be political for them and free them from the Romans and give them food and stuff. So for him to say, I am the, the sacrifice, I'm sacrificially giving myself, was a stumbling block to the Jews. Because that is not, they didn't want to think of their leader as coming in and dying and getting murdered. They wanted him to rise up and lead. And we know that is coming down the road when Christ will rule and reign. And he, he will be victorious. But this Right, his, his death, his sacrifice is part of the, the process leading up to this. He was paying the price for the sins of the world. So yes, he will reign victorious down the road. He is King of kings and Lord of lords right now, but one day everybody's going to know and they're going to recognize it. But this thought of him being crucified was a stumbling block to these people because it's not what they were looking for him to be. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.23 but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. So you see there in the Scriptures, it's a stumbling block to the Jews. And unto the Greeks, foolishness. I mean, you could see how people would, would think it's foolishness that someone would, would die to pay for the sins of the world. You could see how it would be a stumbling block to someone looking for someone to conquer their, their foes at that time. But it's God's design and it's God's plan. And Christ's blood is the only sacrifice that could satisfy His just demands. And Christ paid that price. He was the sacrifice. He did shed His blood. And He is the only way to the Father. Look at verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So we see here Jesus telling the people that, hey, there will be people who will believe in me. 
There will be people that come to me and receive this gift of salvation. So we see Jesus declaring that, and then he goes into this almost like a list of blessings that are coming to those who, who will believe on him, who will receive him, who will eat his, his flesh and, and drink his blood here. It says they will have eternal life. He says, I will raise them up at that last day. There's a coming resurrection for the believers. Verse 55 for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. You see that? You come and believe, and you dwell in, in Christ. Wonderful thing. Part of the body of Christ. But also, he dwells in us. There's that unity with Christ. Keep going. Uh, verse 57. As the living Father has sent me. For me, I just underlined that in my notes. The living Father. God is alive. God is not dead. We have a God that is alive and is powerful. It says, as the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father... So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. We have this life-giving Father giving life through His Son to us. Everlasting life. So thankful for that. Look at verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And you see Jesus referencing here what the people were so caught up on early as he, he starts this, this teaching session here. The people were caught up on, give us a sign. You gave us one meal, we want more. Moses fed the people in the wilderness for 40 years while they were wandering around. We want you to do a little more for us than, than one meal from five loaves and two fishes. We saw Jesus correct them that it was actually God that gave you that, that manna in the wilderness. But then he goes on to say, your fathers are dead. They died. They ate that bread and they died. If you eat of me, if you come to me, if you believe on me, you will have true Life. True life that will last forever. And we see Jesus declaring himself to be this solution to the sin problem. And declaring himself to be so much greater than that bread that was so important to their ancestors in the wilderness. Jesus offers true, lasting life. And I want us to, to think about this passage here. Because Jesus is so much greater than anything that you might be trusting in or relying on for salvation. Jesus is the only solution to the sin problem. And you could say you're narrow-minded, and I could say, 
as far as believing in Christ alone for salvation, I'm very narrow-minded that he is the only way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. So I'm definitely narrow-minded there. Jesus is so much greater than anything that you might be trusting in or relying on for salvation. So if you're here, I don't care if you've been going to church for 78 years. If Christ is not what you're trusting in for salvation, I I challenge you to get a little more narrow-minded and look to Christ and trust in Christ for salvation. For believers, for those who of us who have come to Christ, who have believed in Him. Do we take this, this thought, do we take this idea of the cross, of the sacrifice of Christ, do we take that for granted? We have the opportunity to have a daily relationship with this life-giving bread. You can say, wow, that's incredible. He would give His life for me, for the world, that's amazing. Do we take it for granted over time, though? Because I feel like there's a lot of Christians, or I run into a lot of Christians who are like, you know, God, thanks for saving me back then, and pretty much I'll see you when I get to heaven. And that becomes as deep as their their relationship ever gets with Him. When this life-giving God wants to have this daily relationship with us, this daily communion, this daily conversation with us. He wants us to look to Him, to lean on Him, to recognize Him, to glorify Him, to magnify Him. But do we take this for granted? And that's why I took the time, the last 20, 30 minutes, to remind us of stuff that we already know. It's on purpose. We know this stuff, but I want it to be fresh. I want to be affected by the gift that He gave to me. You know, I could be somewhere dead in my trespasses and sins without Christ. But He has given me a relationship with Him. And I can enjoy that. I can participate in that every single day of my life. He's alive and He's powerful. And He's there. Do we consider the sacrifice that He made? Do we praise Him for what He has given? Uh, Thinking about our day-to-day, do we ever get in this mindset of, of God, I know You're big enough to forgive me of my sins and, and thank You for that big sacrifice that You gave to me a couple thousand years ago? Um... And then we can start to think, I, I've got the rest though. Like, I'll, I'll take care of the rest. Thanks for that gift. I'll take care of the rest until it gets tough or I don't like where I'm at. And then I'll kind of call on you and maybe blame you a little bit for getting me in this mess. When really we walked ourselves into that because we ignored the one who wants that relationship with us and who is there leading us and guiding us. We have this attitude of, God, I got this until I don't got this and then I need you. Jesus abides in us and with us. You see that promise? For those who come to him who believe on him, he's giving life. He abides in us and with us. 
Let's walk with Him. Let's not wait to call on Him until we get ourselves into trouble. Let's walk with Him through this life. Let's follow what He has for us because He is greater than anything we might be pursuing or any difficulty, anything in our lives. He is greater. So much greater than anything. And He is so worthy to be praised. He's so worthy to be honored. He's an all-knowing God that knows everything past, present, and future. Let's not try to outsmart God or do our own thing because He already knows. Let's just walk with Him. He paid the sacrifice. He has covered our sins. He is faithful. He is gracious. And He is truth. We can rest in Him. We can rely on Him. And most importantly, we should be glorifying Him and worshiping Him and not taking for granted the gift that He has given to us. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank You so much for um, what we could look at this morning. I thank You that we can be reminded of the sacrifice that You've given, that You've offered. And I pray that You'll help those of us who have come to You, who have believed on You, who have this everlasting life. I pray that we will not forget but that we will continually and daily walk with you and, and be in fellowship with you and in conversation with you. I pray that you will work in our hearts and our life. I pray that we will give you honor and glory and that you will be the focus and the passion of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.